The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'd like to um, continue this week talking about some of what the Buddha had to say about mindfulness. Um, We've been exploring what he had to say about mindfulness of the body. And um, this week I'd like to talk about something we began to touch into last week, which, which is the way that we can explore kind of a more um, elemental nature of our physical experience. We were, we were talking about the breath mostly last week, exploring the experience of the breath. And, and um, somebody asked a question about, you know, feeling actually whether the idea of, we were exploring the breath in various parts of the body, how the breath impacts various parts of the body. And somebody asked a question about actually feeling the breath in other parts of the body than the, the main place where the breath is usually felt. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was exploring the possibility of feeling, for instance, the breath as it comes into the sinus cavities in the, in the skull and the face, and that there is some very interesting sensations that actually happen as you breathe in some of those areas. They can be pretty subtle. Um, but there are some actual sensations, uh, kind of, you know, vibration or a little subtle pressure that happens in various areas of the body as the breath goes through the body. And so this, this notion of exploring the, the, um, the actual kinds of physical experience that we have, the Buddha talked about in his instructions on mindfulness as being mindfulness of the elements. So the, um, the way it's phrased in the way the Buddha taught, he talked about it from the perspective of the elemental nature of, uh, of matter as it was understood in India at the time, which was, um, at least that's my understanding, that there was this kind of notion of these four great elements uh, in Indian philosophy or science of matter being composed of earth, air, fire, and water. Um, and so he suggested looking at our physical experience through these lenses, you know, that we can become aware of the earth element, the fire element, the water element, and the um, Earth, water, fire element, <laughs> the four, earth, fire, air, earth, fire, air, and water elements. And from, you know, we don't think about matter in this way so much. And so, um, but one of the keys in this exploration is not so much to kind of separate ourselves from, uh, you know, to think about, you know, like things it just being a lump of earth or something, but more what is our experience of what might be called the earth element? And so I like to reframe these as, so with respect to earth, what's the experience of solidity in our experience? What, what, is, how, what do we experience as solid? And how does that experience of solidity come to us? How do we feel that? What does that feel like? So as I go through these right now, I'm, I'm going to offer a few examples and see if you can explore this in your own experience. So um, solidity is like the, the aspect of hardness or um, um, Weight, no weight, yeah. So density, you know, the, the, the aspect of the, the form of the body. So you, you can experience this in terms of, you know, the, the, perhaps the hardness of the feet as they're touching the ground or any place where the, the body is touching anything. You might experience a kind of a hardness. 
or um, you know the contact of your buttocks wherever they are, you might experience a, the 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 hardness there. Um, softness also the, these these elements have a range of experience. So the aspects of earth are you know along the lines of solidity, heavity, heaviness, density, hardness. So however you might feel that in your body, as I'm talking about it now, like the, the sensation of my bones is becoming more obvious to me. Like where my knees are bent and touching the cushion, I'm aware of there being hardness in there. Um, so you might notice that perhaps you know, in your hands, you might, if your hands are contacting each other, kind of highlighting for yourself, there's an aspect of hardness in the hands. And there's the, the bones that are in there, the stiffness, the, 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 the actual, you know, solidity in that aspect of the body. Then the, um, so I think that the earth element is one of the, more obvious elements. It's, it's pretty clear, actually, and this is one of the elements that we um, can connect with pretty obviously. And it's a, a way that we feel the world. You know, when I touch this uh, podium, you know, the, the hardness that's here, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that through my physical experience. So there's, there's a way that we can come into contact with a kind of a bearer level of uh, our physicality, you know, what, what are we actually experiencing? Not what are our ideas about it, but what are we actually experiencing? And this is actually a key for us, um, a point. What is the point of this even, you know, to begin to explore our experience from this elemental perspective? Why would we do this? And, and part of it is because, um, you know, the the exploration of the mind and body that the, that the Buddha did, he found that so much of our way that we related to the world was through ideas, through concepts, and that that actually is a place where we kind of get caught, we get hooked, we get into trouble, um, because our ideas about things are very close to beliefs, views, opinions, and reactivity often can follow right off of that. So the, uh, some of the instructions in this Satipatthana Sutta are, are about how can we come into what's actually happening right now and not what are our ideas about it or what are our concepts about it. And so part of this exploration of the elements, especially in terms of our body and our experience, is to kind of get underneath the concept of our idea of body into what actually is the experience of body. <coughs> So that we, um, you know, we begin to recognize, I think a lot of the exploration here around these elements is to begin to recognize um, the distinction between what body is and what our ideas about it are, what our reactions to it are, what the... Um, uh, the mental aspect of our experience. So b- by paying attention to our bodies in this way, we begin to get a very clear idea of the distinction between our bodily experience and our mental experience. Our mental experience tends to be where we get hooked and caught and suffer and struggle. Uh, we get frustrated or annoyed or angry or greedy or feel pride or we, we, we get caught in the realm of what happens in our mind, but it is intimately connected with how we relate to our physical experience. And so this exploration of body really begins to help us to um, recognize that it's not the body itself, perhaps. I mean, there, there are times when things happen in the body. You know, we get we fall down and we bruise our knee or we um, um, you know, cut ourselves with a knife or we have some illness that comes. You know, we, um, we have physical experiences in the body and sometimes we attribute, those physical experience, attribute to those physical experiences some kind of you know, um, uh, almost power. You know, it's like, well, that thing is happening and... and um, of course, you know, it's like, well, you know, 
I don't, I don't have any choice about how I respond to that. that. That thing happened, and of course I'm mad, or of course I'm frustrated, or of course I'm angry. And this um, exploration of body and mind begins to, to kind of tease those two apart, to tease apart the actual physical experience of the pain in the knee when we fall down or the pain of the cut when we cut ourselves, and the mind's response that goes, wow, I feel really stupid for having tripped on that part of the sidewalk, or how could I have been so careless as to not see how the knife was going to go? That's the mind working. So the, um, this exploration really begins to help us to tease apart the mind from the body. And that teasing apart gives us a uh, with the mindfulness, as we bring the mindfulness to our physical experience, we begin to see that it's not that these reactions occur exactly at the same time that our recognition of the physical response happens. That there's a little bit of a gap a little bit of a chance for our mind to process what's going on and make decisions about it and decide how to respond. Now, that often happens below our level, our, our level of conscious awareness, that we you know, fall down, bruise our knee, and our mind is filled with embarrassment or frustration or whatever our particular uh, response would be in that kind of scenario that we feel like it happens at the same time. But there is, as we start to explore our physical experience with mindfulness, we see that there's, it's, it's not happening simultaneously. There's actually a little bit of space there. And so we do have, with mindfulness in the picture, we have a way that we can kind of begin to penetrate what's usually in what might be called our subconscious. You know, we, uh, we can begin to see how these reactions are born. And we can begin to see that there's actually maybe a little tiny split second of choice there. You know, I don't have to have these thoughts or I don't have to go down that pathway of beating myself up for having fallen down. I can instead simply recognize, wow, there's, okay, there's painful sensation in my knee right now. I'd better get myself up and, and see if there's been any serious damage here, you know, so that it doesn't have to be a, a, a reactive thing. It can be more of a responsive, compassionate um, response to the experience. So this exploration of the elements, I think, really, really helps us to begin to tease apart this idea of mind and body. So the, the earth element, the explore, that exploration begins to, you know, that's, that's a pretty obvious experience in our, in our meditation. You know, we, we, we connect with the solidity of our bodies. You know, sometimes in meditation, doing this kind of element practice of exploring, you know, these various frames of looking at experience. Sometimes in my meditation, it's as if the entire world of experience gets kind of it's like I'm looking at all of my experience, all of the physicality of my experience through that one lens. And it's like my whole body suddenly feels like completely hard. Like, like if, I, if I moved, it almost at one point felt like it was just made of glass, you know, the hardness of glass. And that if I moved, the whole thing would shatter. You know, it kind of had that, that feeling to it. Another time I was, I was meditating and my whole body just became cold. You know, the, the, the experience was completely cold, so I was looking at it through that temperature lens. So that the, the, the perception or the exploration of this can really begin to highlight this, this experience. And we begin to see how much of our physical experience is dependent on our perceptions, dependent on how we are looking at our experience. So there's the, uh, the aspect of Earth, and then the aspect of air is another element that's actually pretty obvious to us in meditation, especially with the breath. As we explore the breath, the aspect of air is the aspect of movement. And there's so many different sensations that are connected with the air element in our physical experience. 
So right now, exploring your experience from this perspective, um, you know, perhaps putting your attention in your hand. Your hand's a good place to, to explore this, the air element. You might not think of that. I mean, the hand seems pretty solid, but just putting your attention in your hand. See if you can notice some of these sensations. Vibration. Tingling. Pulsing. Pressure. And now I'm going to um, have you do something else with your hand. Close the, close the hand into a fist really tight. That'll emphasize the hardness aspect. So you'll feel really the, the hardness feeling there. Perhaps the pressure of your um, fingers against the palm of your hand, producing a real hardness. And now don't, don't let go of the fist, but release the intensity of the holding. And now we're going to explore movement of the hand, just very slowly. So don't open your hand just yet. But now, as slowly as you can, really, really slowly, start to open the hand. Now, what do you notice there? You may notice some resistance. Kind of like it's, it's a little hard to open the hand. Like there's stiffness in the hand. And there may be some creaking experiences (laughs) with each little movement, little creak, 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 like a, a squeaky door. So all of these, and now open your hand quickly so you can actually do it. (laughs) All of those, the stiffness, the creakiness, the, um, um, the resistance, those are all aspects of movement. And you can experience those sometimes in the breath, you know, that you'll feel a little bit of resistance and um, almost like little popping experiences as the the breath comes in and out. So the, the element of air, you can experience this quality of movement, of vibration, of tingling, of pulsing throughout the body. And this is a manifestation of air element. So you might, you might just notice, you know, sitting here, if there's a sense of vibration in your body. It can be subtle. It can be a very subtle experience, but it's one that when you, find, when you begin to experience it, it becomes more and more obvious to you. And pulling, pressure, pulling and pushing also. So if you take your hands and, and do this and push, there's the hardness aspect of the way your hands come together. But there's also a pushing aspect. So there's a difference there. So in a way, we're, we're noticing how the elements are related. You know, there's the, the experience of the hardness of the hands, but there's also the hardness is highlighted because of the pressure. Pressure is an aspect of the air element. You don't get that? The, um, so um, let's see. So maybe we can do it more visually. So let's think about right now um, like air filling a balloon. So the air fills the balloon, and as it fills the balloon, it contacts, you know, the balloon. Uh, the balloon by itself, you know, is just the, without the air in it, it's, it's got some um, earth, earth element in it. It's got some, you know, density or, um, it's not really hard, but it's got that quality of having some physicality to it. So it's got that, that kind of hardness to it. Um, and then if you blow up the balloon, there's, the, the pressure in the balloon contacts the uh, actual balloon, the earth quality of the balloon. And it's kind of the meeting of those two that gives you a sense of the pressure. 
You know, if you, if you hold the balloon from the outside, you know a little bit about how much pressure is in the balloon, how much air is in the balloon, based on how tight or how hard the balloon is. And so there's that, that meeting of those two elements, of the, the balloon itself and the air inside of it. And so we know something about the one because of the way the other is interacting with it. And so likewise, when we're pushing our hands together, there's the, there's the earth itself, you know, there's, the con- there's the skin, there's the bone, and then you know, there's a difference. You can, you can just lightly touch, and that's a sense of, of pressure, you know, a light kind of pressure. And then you can push more firmly, and that there's a difference you can see in the... Um, because of the way the earth element feels there, you have a, a sense of how much pressure is being exerted. So that's... You might do this with your lungs, you know, too. That's, a, that's maybe a more obvious way. Fill up your lungs and hold a deep breath. And you feel the pressure of that because of the contact with the, the lungs and the expansion into the body. Does that make a little more sense? Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is a little harder to connect with the hands pressing. pressing. So the, yeah, the, maybe the balloon in the lungs is an easier connection for that. And then there's um, the aspect of temperature. So we've got um, the aspect of solidity, the aspect of movement, which are earth and air, the aspect of temperature, which is fire. And this, um, this also, you know, I think the, the skin is pretty um, sensitive to temperature. Like right now, when I put my attention on this element, I'm experiencing coldness in my hands. Um, and this can be highlighted for you. You may, you may not have the kind of low circulation I have, so your hands might be warm. <laughs> but generally, there's some ter- temperature differentials in the body, and so you might try putting your hand against your cheek and see if there's a highlighting of temperature there. Now, for me, this really highlights the coldness of my hand when I do this. For you, it, it might highlight a warmth of your face. Rub your hands together. Generate some heat there. (laughs) Now I feel some heat in my hands. Okay, now try putting your hand against your cheek again. And I do have, there's still some coolness there, but I'm also more attuned to the warmth there. So this aspect of warmth and coolness is another a form of how we experience our physical sensations. Then there's the water element. And this one, um, there's some ways that this is obvious, and the mouth is a good place to explore this. You know, the saliva in your mouth. So, um, again, there's a way in which we become aware of liquid liquidity because of the way it interacts with some of the other elements. So, you know, as you put your attention in your mouth and um, and kind of get a sense of the saliva in your mouth, and one of the ways to do this is to rub your tongue over the surface of your teeth. You know, there's kind of a slipperiness there. The slipperiness is an aspect of the water element. Um... You know, the, the sense of moisture, you know, the, the way the, as I'm focusing on this, it's like the saliva is, for me at least, is getting more in my mouth. Uh, and so I'm noticing the way the saliva is flowing over the tongue. So the flowing movement, the flowing experience is, um, is water also. And again, it's kind of hard to experience water in the abstract. It's experienced in connection with another element. So the movement element and the hardness element of the teeth, as you take your tongue and move it over your teeth, so you've got the earth element and the air element, so you've got the hardness and the movement. As you make that movement, you get a sense of the slipperiness. So you get a sense of the water element 
in dependence on the hardness and the movement. So the, 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 these elements all do interact, um, but we can kind of get a sense of each of them separately. So just check in. Are there any questions, any, any, anything you want to ask about that kind of exploration before I continue? Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks. So we are um, talking about these four different types of sensations in order to, um, uh, in order to isolate the way that mind creates perceptions. Is this the objective of that? To so, bring us to reality uh, and um, to create a universality based on these physical... So, so there's a couple different... Um, motivations, I guess, uh, for this exploration. And for me, a big piece of it in my own experience was that it really did begin to help me distinguish between what the physicality of my experience was and what I was reacting to. You know, so that... that um, um, that was an example. When I was... Um, I had a frozen shoulder at one point... And uh, many of you have heard this, this story before, but I had a frozen shoulder, and so there was a lot of stiffness, a lot of pain, a lot of burning, um, physical uh, discomfort in the shoulder. And um, so there was the physicality of that. And then there was the mind um, reacting to that. And there were some subtle ways the mind reacted to that. I mean, there were some obvious ways, especially when I tried to move it. I mean, I tried to move it like this, and it would just be this burst of burning pain, and and then there would be this, ah, you know, so there would be a a clamping down that would happen. The mind would react, and then there would be this clamping down. So there was this, this, this shoulder pain, but there was also at this time, because this lasted, well, I think more than a year, my, my shoulder was frozen. And so it was a long process of working with this. And there was a period of time when, while this shoulder was frozen, it felt like my whole body was also kind of frozen, not frozen, but but irritated. You know, there was a kind of an irritation quality through the whole body. So it was like that there was a a subtle kind of, I don't know if it'd go as far as, say, burning, but but an an irritation feeling in all of the joints. Um, and so noticing, I, I spent a lot of time noticing that, and noticing that and ex- exploring it as a physical experience. And at some point, while I was exploring that, for a brief moment, a brief, brief moment, I felt something let go in my mind, some little way I had been kind of clamping down or holding down on my physical experience. And when that mental release happened, and it wasn't anything I could consciously do, it just happened. I was aware of it happening, and I was present when that mental relaxation happened. When that happened, for a split second, all of that... um, whole body irritation vanished. And the only pain was just in the shoulder. And then it came right back. (laughs) The mind would clamp down again. But um, I, I got a really interesting sense of how the mind and body are related there. So that this exploration of mind of, of the body, of the physicality, helps us to begin to see, like in that example, it helped me to see that there was a subtle kind of mental reactivity that was responsible for some of the physical, what, what I was taking to be physical pain. Now, I think there probably was some physical experience happening, but it was, I was, I had the idea, I, I had this you know, what my story was about it was that the inflammation in my shoulder had created some kind of chemical that was, you know, 
circulating through my whole body and inflaming my whole body, you know, so that it was a physical thing. And I discovered actually, you know, probably not because it vanished and reappeared so quickly with that release in the mind. So, you know, the, the mind clamping down, the mind contracting, probably did something like create a, a subtle physical tension throughout the whole body that was more responsible for the, the pain in the body. So this was a great learning for me. So, um, you know, this kind of exploration begins to help us to see what actually are we reacting to. So we exploring our physicality, exploring our physical experience, that's a question we can explore. You know, there is this, you know, this, this um, physical experience happening. So what is that physical experience? And then there may be an unpleasantness there. And, and the next time I'm here, we'll talk about that aspect of pleasant and unpleasant because that's a big place from which reactivity springs. But we often will attribute our reactivity to the actual sensations. And so we, you know, we begin to get a sense of, okay, well, there's that sensation. There's some unpleasantness there. And then, oh, I don't like that unpleasantness. There's some contracting, some resisting around that. So we begin to see what it actually is that we're, we're reacting to. And that kind of gives us a, a, a doorway or a little window into that gap between the uh, experience and our reaction to it. So that's a big piece for me of how this exploration has been beneficial. Another um, thing, and this is a, a, a kind of a, an exploration the Buddha is proposing, um, is that as we start to look at our experience from this perspective of we are made up of the same thing, and, and you know, again, remember that this is the it was like the physics of the Buddha's day, earth, air, fire, and water, or what the world is made up of, what the physical universe is made up of. So part of what he's pointing to is we're made up of the same thing as the physical universe. And beginning to explore our experience in that way, we, um, we start to recognize that, well, this body doesn't belong to me. It's just this stuff of the universe, you know, we can reflect on this a little bit even, you know. The body came into being when, you know, our parents, their sperm and the ovum joined. That was the beginning. And at first it was just a little single cell, right? I mean, you know, that, that, and then it, it grew, created based on the, the, um, the food and, you know, the way the, the, the way the biology works. Our bodies came into being, and when we die, our bodies will, you know, maybe be cremated or maybe just disintegrate into earth again. So there's, there's this, um, you know, the, the way in which our physicality is just connected to the universe, almost as a reflection for us, can help us to disidentify, to not be so... Um, caught up in, this is my body. And go ahead, and, and I've got some more to say, but go ahead. Would you pass the mic back? Oh, I can speak well, it's, if some people are using the hearing-assisted devices. Um, I was just wondering if there's anything that belongs to us. <laughs> um, well, the, um, the, the understanding from the perspective of, of um, the Buddhist uh, psychology and the, you know what what we explore essentially yes this is this is the this is the question you know um, the the kind of answer might be framed there isn't an us for anything to belong to <laughs> um, so you know that that this is the, and this exploration around the body is one of the ways to begin to understand that so you know that's a hard that's a hard concept to to grok in a way this notion of there's not really a me here you know there's a great a great analogy um, about what we are you know we are 
understood mostly to be processes from the Buddhist point of view. You know that that there's there's simply this changing phenomenon that are going on, like a flow in a river is changing all the time. And um, I think it was in jo- one of Joko Beck's books, Charlotte Joko Beck. She she gave this beautiful analogy about we're like whirlpools in a river. You know that this the, the whirlpools in a river are created. You know based on conditions in the river. You know, there are, um, you know, places where eddies will form in the river. And, you know, the way the rocks are placed or the way particular, you know, know, stuff floats down the river and gets jammed into things is going to create places where whirlpools will form. And so it looks, this whirlpool looks like a thing. And it may even be stable for a little while. Um, But, you know, thinking about how that whirlpool works, there's never any... Um, so, you know, there's never any consistency to that whirlpool. There's never any water that's the same in that whirlpool at any time. You know, it, the energy of the whirlpool um, is, uh, you know, there may be some kind of, uh, of way in which the energy of the whirlpool has cohered there. But again, that, that energy is a flow, it's a change, it's a shifting thing. And so the, you know, the water flows in and out of the whirlpool. The water flows in and out of, the, you know, a new, new water flows in and out of the whirlpool. And then other conditions change, and then the shape of that whirlpool might change. And then perhaps the, the, a, a storm comes and makes everything, you know, flow down the river, and then that whirlpool is gone, and another whirlpool forms further down the river. So, you know, we can kind of look at ourselves as being that kind of a process. You know, it's not that there's nothing here. It's not that we don't... It's, it, you know, there's, there's this, this um, you know, one way the Buddha uh, put it, he said, you know, people are mostly consumed with the idea of existing or not existing, you know, well, if we don't, if 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 we don't exist in the way we think we do, I mean, then we if we if there's not an existence in the way that we think of, then it means we don't exist. There is something there. There's a process, a flow that is happening, and there's a kind of a coherence to that process. So there's a way in which you know this process of mind and body. There's memory there. There's, I mean, my memories, my thoughts. They're not your thoughts, right? I mean, you know, these thoughts, these ideas are flowing in my um, stream. But again, it's not that there's a thing here exactly, an an entity here. It's a process of flowing through, and so this exploration of the of the elements begins to kind of point us into this, um, you know, kind of reflection in a way that the bodily matter is within a flow. You know, it's it's a it's a large kind of flow in a way. It's a slow flow. You know, the the way our body formed in the womb and then you know has grown from there. And, you know, the, the way our cells change and we nourish ourselves and the processes happen and then we die and then this body returns to some other form entirely. You know, so we can kind of reflect on it and see that it's a, it's a flow. But in a moment to moment, we think of it as pretty solid. Yeah, go ahead. You had, a, you had something more and then behind you. It might be off, I, I, which is okay if it is. But um... I don't think it's on. Is that on? Yes. Okay. Um, which is, if there isn't something to base, uh, so how does one cho- why why even why cho- why choose? Why have choice? So the 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 um, I'll just mention this briefly. I'll just talk about this briefly because it does kind of head into a, a direction. Um, the Buddha's whole teaching around choice has to do with um, that we we have choice around what will essentially lead us into suffering or lead us into happiness. And that this key area of choice is what we're trying to uncover here so that we can make wise choices that don't kind of hook us back into this terrain of struggle, of suffering over and over again. So the again, it's that same point of seeing when we, um, you know, we begin to see our bodies 
and that there's a, a brief gap between the reaction to something. You know, if, as we begin to explore this with mindfulness, we can see, oh, there actually is a little space there. I don't have to choose to get angry here. Or the, actually, in my experience, it's more the way it seems to unfold isn't so much that I consciously choose, I don't have to get angry here. It's been more of a slow unfolding where I notice over and over again, okay, there's something that happened, and boy, I'm, I'm mad about that, or I hate that, or I don't like that, I want to get rid of that. And then I notice all of that reactivity. I notice that that's a lot of pain, all that reactivity, a lot of struggle, uh, trying to fix things, change things. So I, I notice all of that, and then over time, as the mind begins to recognize, actually, that the way our react that that the way our minds habitually work, this reactivity pattern, you know, this this like you push a button, you know, we fall down. It's like we push a button and say, let's let's trigger that reactivity program, you know, so that 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 habitual way of triggering that reactivity program leads us not into happiness but into suffering. As the as the mind really begins to get that. With mindfulness, I mean, we think we kind of get it when we're just living our lives, but we don't know quite how to um, to use that information. You know, we we think what it means is that we're supposed to fix things, change things, react further to the reactivity, so that we can get rid of the reactivity, which is a reactivity to the reactivity. So we think that that's what's going to help us. And it's just re-cementing this push that react button. So the, the exploration here is, you know, what does it mean to actually just be with this reactivity? What does it mean to, to, you know, what does it feel like for there to be anger arising in the body as opposed to saying, I have to fix this, I have to do something about this. So the, the mind and body begins to get the picture that this reactivity is a... Uh, suffering. <laughs> and the mind and body do not want to suffer. We're built that way, actually. We're built that way. You know, we're built to try to maximize our well-being. You know, I think that that's part of the way that our, our biology is put together. We, we, we're built to maximize our well-being. When we're not particularly mindful our ideas about what will maximize our well-being kind of get in the way and we end up pushing that reactivity button thinking that that's going to be the way to our well-being. What the mindfulness begins to reveal is, oh, that's not the way to well-being. Maybe there's another way to well-being. And as the mind begins to see, oh, when I react to that, you know, when, I'm, when, I, when I have this painful experience and there's this pattern of reactivity that's born, there's suffering that happens. Then as we see, as the mindfulness gets more present, more continuous, as we see that reactivity beginning to happen, as the mindfulness recognizes, oh, there's that pattern getting ready to unfold, or oh, I'm heading, I'm going to push that button. I'm going to push that reactivity button. As we, as we see the, the mind headed in that direction, the mind having experienced over the course of weeks or months or years of exploring this, and different patterns take more or less time of exploration, the mind itself knows that way lies suffering. And it begins to turn the, uh, turn the stream or turn the course of our experience towards letting go of that reactivity. So there are times when it feels like we have a choice, when it does consciously feel like I can say, yes, I can choose to not go there. And when it feels like you have that kind of a choice, make a skillful one. You know, choose wisely to um, see if you can let go of reactivity and, and engage more with compassion, kindness, friendliness, so that actions are motivated out of more wholesome activities of mind. So, behind you. Well, it just occurred to me as a thought that the <coughs> dynamic you described of whirlpools is also true of tornadoes and hurricanes. Yes. <laughs> and perhaps the question is, uh, how can we 
uh, be more like the whirlpool. <laughs> I mean, that's a great, a great point, you know, because, you know, the damage that's wrought with, uh, with the whirlpool, with the tornadoes and hurricanes, you know, it's, that, so the, the notion of the, um, the solidification of, um, of self can create a lot of struggle of suffering. So that's an interesting analogy. I hadn't particularly thought of that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, partly the, the exploration here around the elements is to begin to see this f- process nature of experience. You know, so that the, the um, you know, this reflection on elements, the experience of our body as elemental um, does begin to help break down that notion of solidity, of, you know, this is my body, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is, this is a process of body that has come together and it will fall apart. Any more? Any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. Um, a comment about change. And we experience uh, the change in our bodies, our, our lifetime. Well, one thing I've noticed throughout my lifetime that's remained constant is the, the consciousness of the present moment. And the choice is to remain present and aware of, of this, this, this so, moment. So when you say that's constant, what do you mean? That consciousness hasn't that consciousness of the present moment throughout my life has not changed. That's always accessible. It, yes, it's it's the it's present, it's accessible the, to come into the present moment. Always, when we remember. <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to develop is yes. the awareness to do that. Yes, yes. That's the practice. Yes, um, and the. You know, that this exploration of consciousness actually becomes one of the last places. I mean, the, the Buddha talked about exploring this question of process through the body and through various mental processes as well. Um, some of them are easier to see the process nature of than others. So the body is, is probably one of the first places we can start to see this process nature, and we can start to see it with respect to the feelings in our body, the feelings, the way they come and go. Consciousness is, is like one of the, is, is one of those areas that it's, it's kind of harder to see it as a flow. It feels more like a pervading thing at times. And so that's part of our exploration when we get to the place where we can just see consciousness and then begin exploring. Is this consciousness really stable? It seems stable. It definitely seems stable. But as we can begin to actually look at it, that's the question the Buddha asked us to explore. Is this consciousness too actually stable? So that's, that's an exploration for you. And, and just actually, I think she has something more. Do you say, say something more? I don't think it wants me to say because it's, it's <laughs> Oh, did it die? Oh, <laughs> try push it. Try pushing the button, and does it turn green? Okay, then yeah, we'll use the other one and, and give that one back to Deanne. Dion, sorry, give the give the orange one back to Dion. And we don't want you to push your reactive button, but we do want you to push the microphone. Go ahead. The question earlier about why are why are we you know why are we doing this why are yeah. we doing this with the body in uh, in my mind we're trying to develop awareness so that we when we go to that place of consciousness that's accessible in the present moment that we know it's the present moment consciousness and not some other consciousness that's not that is more of a hindrance and, mm-hmm. yes and and, and uh-huh. an aversion and or so that we're co- we're aware of how our consciousness is is working creative creative pleasantness or aversion of unpleasantness that that's a different level of consciousness but the present moment consciousness where we're trying to develop and build this awareness um, i think is a constant so look at it yeah 
observe yeah, and, it. And yeah. that's the point. When, when someone asked me why I would be doing this, that, uh -huh. that would be the point. Uh -huh. Let's drill. That personal. So go ahead. Yeah, could you? I don't think that's oh. Yes, you can tell. About what she's saying, that constancy, uh, even as a child, it doesn't change. I always feel, when I was a child, teenager. Yeah, there is a man, feeling of that constancy, it's, it's, yes. It's always there. It, uh -huh. it doesn't look, it ages. It looks like it's born ageless. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, it's aware always. Uh -huh. So, so again, the, the exploration that the Buddha asks us to do is to look at that, to look at it. <laughs> first, first you get there and then you look at it. First you get there and then you look at it. If you've been aware of it your whole life, you don't need to get there. You're just trying to develop it. You know, kind of look at it and develop it and access it more And then the, it's not just about being present in the present moment. It's about turning and looking at, I mean, the, 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 the realization the Buddha pointed to, um, the freedom that the Buddha pointed to, came from non-clinging, yeah. came from letting go. And you know, even if there, there can be, I think part of the point here is to look at what is it that we're clinging to. It's not yeah, I mean, there's, there's. That's what the Buddha asks us to look at, you know, because it can be a very subtle form. There can be a very subtle form of clinging that happens there. So that's... that's so the object would be get past that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so it, it, it can be so subtle. I mean, kind of like the subtlety in a way, that subtlety of the, the mind clamping down and creating that experience in the body. You know, that, that was a kind of... I mean, I did not know there was a mental holding that produced that, but there was. There was a holding, clinging, that produced that thing through the body. We can do a very similar kind of just subtle clamping down or holding to the consciousness. That, so that's, that's the exploration. Look at, look at that. Look at that. So we need to stop now. So um, I'll be away teaching um, my very first time teaching at the New Retreat Center next week. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I'll be back the following week and continue this exploration. There will be somebody here next week, of course, I think. Uh, Both you and Gil are back. Yes, we are. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think uh, Robert Cusick will be here next Tuesday morning. So. Thank you all. <laughs>